before, you can go ahead and also turn to the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, tonight you're going to see a couple of things. And uh, 1 Samuel, as we lay the foundation, then we'll travel over to the book of uh, Psalms here in a few minutes as well. But uh, 1 Samuel, if you would, for just a few minutes as we lay this foundation. How many of you, let me ask this question, and uh, you're going to see this in the passage of Scripture here in just a few moments, but how many of you have ever been betrayed before? How many of you ever been betrayed? Anyone ever been betrayed before? How many of you, uh, you, 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 when you go back to that time, that situation, you know, you think about uh, friends, you think about, um, you think about family, you think about those types of situations that uh, people encounter. Betrayal is a, a situation. It's a, it's something that's hard. Uh, it hurts. It's painful. Uh, obviously, as you go and you think about people in general, there are, there are situations, you think about family betrayal, and family betrayal is a difficult one. You think about friends betraying you, you think about uh, groups betraying you, things like that. Well, as you come to the book of 1 Samuel, and also Psalm 54, you'll encounter David experiencing a betrayal. And uh, this is something that, that is more common than you would think in our society. There's a lot of betrayal. There are a lot of people. Uh, I was watching, uh, there was a, a video that surfaced probably uh, about a year and a half ago. And it was kind of a funny video is what it was. But there was a, a, a gentleman and his friend who had been robbing certain places, whether it was department stores liquor stores, uh, gas stations, places like this. Well, anyways, the video footage caught them as they were leaving one of the gas stations and they began to have their photos, you know, they finally had their photos up and they were trying to find them. And all of a sudden, they're, they're going through and it's kind of one of those funnier videos, but he's sitting there and he, he is not going to turn in his friend. He keeps talking about that. I'm not going to turn my friend in. As he is saying, I'm not going to turn my friend in, the, the cop is talking to this gentleman and said, you, you need to, otherwise you're just going to be going to jail yourself. And he, he's saying, I'm not going to turn him in. And as he is saying, I'm not going to turn in my friend. He begins to use his friend's name on accident. Because he is getting so, he, he begins to talk about, man, that's my brother and that's my friend. And that, he, he's been, and he's using his name as he is saying he's not going to turn him in. And uh, betrayal, sometimes it, it happens accidentally, occasionally, I guess. But betrayal is a difficult thing. You find in 1 Samuel chapter number 23 here in a few minutes, you find David encountering betrayal. And he begins to deal with that in Psalm 54. Now, as you go to 1 Samuel for a few moments, I want you to look with me in verse number 14. As we see this here, the Bible says in verse number 14, And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. Now, we're not going to encounter or read through this entire passage of Scripture, but I'd encourage you to go and to read chapter number 23. Read it in its entirety, and specifically concerning Psalm 54, read verse 14 on down to the end of the chapter, because you're going to see some things. Now, in Psalm 54, David's going to lay some things out, and you're going to be able to go back and look and see what he is dealing with concerning this portion of Scripture right here. But there are some things that we begin to see about this passage of Scripture that begin to relay some information that we're going to read in Psalm 54 concerning the betrayal that David has experienced. 
Now, as you begin to think about Saul for just a few moments, notice what the Bible says about Saul, because there's a lot that you can really find in Psalm 54, and specifically this pastor scripture, that really can encourage us and also enlighten us. Uh, as you think about Saul, Saul is, is in a, a season of trying to chase David. We touched on that uh, this past uh, Sunday for a few, a few minutes, and we begin to see that Saul's life has been consumed by chasing David. He can't think about anything else. He can't focus on anything else. As a matter of fact, you're going to find even as in this chapter, uh, this pastor of scripture in chapter number 23, he is chasing David only to find that he needs to go and he actually needs to attend to some things that are a lot more important. But as you think about Saul for a few moments, because here in a few minutes in 1 Samuel chapter number 23, you not only are introduced to Saul in this pastor of scripture, but you're also introduced to Jonathan in this pastor of scripture. You see, it's, it's a great uh, visual and a great help to us to see that there are going to be times in our lives when you're entering into a season of difficulty. David is entering into a season of difficulty. He's living in a season of difficulty, if you would. He's discouraged. He's wondering what's going on. But even in the midst of those difficult seasons, you'll find that in Psalm 54, David acknowledges the, disease, the, 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 the discouragement, but he also acknowledges the encouragement. One of the dangers in our lives, if we're not careful, and this is not just the Christian life, this is in life in general, is far too many people focus only on the discouragement and nothing on the encouragement. We live our lives and we talk about all the problems we have and all the situations we're encountering, but we never are willing to acknowledge some of the great things that are also taking place. As you go and you think about what's going to be said in Psalm 54, holding your place in 1 Samuel, I want you to see these things so that you'll understand as we read in 1 Samuel here in a minute. Go with me for just a moment to Psalm 54 and then we'll travel back because I want you to see this. We see it illustrated in Psalm 54. The Bible says in verse number 1, Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth, for strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. See that. Now, the first three verses reveal the discouragement, if you would. David is crying out. He's seeking the Lord. He is acknowledging that there are some strangers. Those strangers are those who are enemies, if you would. Those strangers are not people that are for God or have any uh, 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 willingness to worship God. And so he is acknowledging the discouragement. The first three verses. Look with me in verse number four, what he says. Behold, God is mine helper. So immediately he transitions. Here's the discouraging news. There's enemies. There's betrayal. There's hardships. There's bad times. But in verse number 4, he, he doesn't stop and park there. He quickly transitions and begins to acknowledge the Lord in the midst of all that. You see, far too many of us, if we're not careful, all we do is we park in verses 1 through 3, and we don't park in them for just a couple days. We park in verses 1 through 3, the discouraging times, and we park and we, hey, we, we, we lay our bed there, we park there, we, we, we spend a lot of time in the discouraging part of our lives. We are not willing to acknowledge, even in the midst of those discouraging times, what David is doing here. In verse number 4, notice what he says. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. Now, verse number 4 gives us some insight because you're going to see in 1 Samuel chapter number 23 that there is, there is, there is Saul here, okay? 
So you're going to see that the, the Zipphims and Saul, there, there's a betrayal that is taking place there. So verses 1 through 3 give us some insight into that right there. But then he begins to transition to verse number 4. And not only is he acknowledging that God is his helper, but he says, The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. So he begins to not only acknowledge that God is his helper, but he's also acknowledging that those who are an encouragement, giving us insight into the life of Jonathan for a few moments, that God is also with them. God is going to uphold them. Verse number 5. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies, cut them off in thy truth. So now in verse number 5, he's acknowledging that, hey, at the end of the day, God's going to take care of all this. All of us will give an answer to a holy and righteous God one day. I was listening to the radio just the other day, and I was listening to a, a couple of Christian uh, individuals who have a radio show, and they were talking, and they were taking some phone calls. And as they were taking those phone calls, there was a call that was made and it was talking about, uh, he was asking some questions about, uh, the, the caller was, was asking some questions about uh, the book of Revelation and, you know, tears being wiped away and, and uh, those, uh, those situations that he was reading and, and he was trying to ask some questions and really understand it. And the, the individual that was talking began to elaborate a little bit on it and he was doing a Bible study and he said, look, there's going to come that day when we see the Lord face-to-face, where we are going to be so overwhelmed by the holiness, the love, the goodness, the grace, the wonderfulness of our God. And as we get to heaven one day, we're not going to care about anything else because we're going to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. You begin to think about that. There's going to come a day when all of us are going to have that opportunity. But on the other side of it, notice what David is saying here in verse number 5. He says, he shall reward evil unto mine enemies, cut them off in thy truth. Now, we're going to get to that here in a few moments, but it's dealing with something very serious. Verse number 6, I will freely sacrifice unto thee, I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. Notice in verse number 6 what David says here. He says, I will freely sacrifice unto thee, for I will praise thy name. He doesn't even talk about anything the Lord has done. He just acknowledges, Lord, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to sacrifice. That word sacrifice in David's time is speaking of worshiping. Hey, Lord, I'm just going to worship you. I'm going to praise you, for it is good. That's where it stops. Not because of what he has done. Not because of anything that he has done for David. Just very simply because it is good to do those things. Verse number 7. Verse number 7, he goes on to say, For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. Verse number 7 helps us to understand that in verse number 1, he is acknowledging his problems. Verse number 7, verses 6 and 7 rather, he is closing out by praising the Lord, acknowledging that God is reliable and God is righteous. You see, I have some great friends in this world. But not all of my friends are always reliable. Why? Because sometimes you just can't you, you just can't be there. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we were up here working, and, and some of you will occasionally, as you're walking out, say, "Hey, if you need help this week, just just get with me, and and uh, I, I'll help you." And I was giving Brother Sean a hard time. But Sean and I are friends, and he said, "Hey, let me know if you need help. I'm, I'm not going to be doing anything." So I sent Brother Sean a text. Said, hey, just want to. You said, let me know if I'm up here at the church. I'm up here at the church. So if you want to come up here, you, you can. And he sent me a text back. Said, oh, we've got some people in town. I'm not going to be able to hang out with you guys today and help you today. And I said, it's fine. I've been let down before, and uh, you know, not the first time. And he sent back. Oh, he sent back. Uh, shot right through the heart. Still, I mean, talking about the wounds and everything. And we were we were joking about it. But there are times whenever you you can't be there. 
There are times whenever you're not able to, to count on family or friends or certain things like that. But David is acknowledging here, there's never a time when God hasn't been reliable. There's never a time when God hasn't been righteous. David is acknowledging at the end of verse number 7 here that, hey, that is the God that I am calling mine helper. So now go back with me for just a moment to 1 Samuel chapter number 23. In 1 Samuel chapter number 23, for just a few moments, you begin to see that as David is acknowledging the problem, David is acknowledging the discouragement, what is the, the, the reason for that discouragement? Well, look with me for just a few moments. Verse number 14, notice how it starts out. It says, And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph, and Saul sought him every day. Imagine for just a few moments, you wake up every single day, and the very first thing that you have to think about is, there is someone that is trying to kill me. I'd say that'd be a difficult thing. You wake up and you're thinking, okay, I'm on the run once again. You go to bed, you're thinking, okay, tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be on the run once again. The Bible reminds us here that Saul was chasing after David every single day. And so we begin to see that Saul was a consumed man. Saul was consumed by David and David trying to die and all those many things. But not only do we see that he was a consumed man, we begin to see that the Bible says in verse number 14, Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. Speaking of how reliable God is, how righteous God is, how good God is. Verse number 15. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. Not only was he a uh, consumed man, but he was a corrupt man. Look. Can I encourage you for just a few moments that we're living in a world right this very moment that sometimes, if we're not careful, we are almost shocked by the conditions of our world. Can I encourage you? You're living in a world that is wicked. You should not be shocked by the things you're seeing. It shouldn't shock you when you wake up and hear things on the news anymore because the Bible tells us that the days are going to wax worse and worse. You say, could it get any worse than this? It's about to. A year and a half, two years from now, you're going to look back and say, man, we thought things were bad in 2023. They're going to wax worse and worse. So we see that Saul was a consumed man. He was consumed with killing David. He was consumed with trying to get to David, but he was also a corrupt man. And David was not caught off guard by any of these things. As you close out chapter number 22, you begin to see some things that are leading into this. And in verse number 23, multiple times the Bible reminds us that David is inquiring of the Lord about some things. And I believe there were many times, even in Scripture, that we aren't able to read that there were times when maybe David was inquiring of the Lord. I believe David lived a life of one who prayed often and prayed much. But we begin to see that not only was this man corrupt and consumed, but now we see the encouraging part. In verse number 4 of Psalm 54, he begins to deal with those who will uphold his soul. Speaking of those who will encourage him, those who will strengthen him, those who will help him. And he begins to elaborate and say that the Lord will not only be mine helper, but he will be with those. So now we begin to see not only some insight into those difficult times and those bad things that are going to take place. You probably work with some people that have foul mouths. You've probably worked with people that would stab you in the back in a heartbeat. You've probably worked with people that would talk about you behind your back. You've probably worked with people that would try to do harm to you if they could. And you should not be shocked by some of those things. Now we see Jonathan for a few moments. Notice what the Bible says about Jonathan. Verse number 16, the Bible says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood, and strengthened his hand in God. 
And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee that also Saul my father knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went into or went to his house. Now, later on you're going to see the betrayal here in a few moments. But you begin to see the discouraging part that David is talking about. He's going to talk about Saul and being on the run. He's dealing with the discouragement of the betrayal. But he's now dealing in verse number 4 of Psalm 54 with the encouraging part as well. As he begins to acknowledge that the Lord is his helper and also those who uphold his soul. And so we begin to see some things that are not only giving us insight into Saul and some of the situation of Psalm 54. But now we see also some practical things that ought to encourage us. Now, every single one of you are a friend to someone. Every single one of us tonight, we have friends, and we are, we are friends to uh, whether it's multiple people, or some of us might only have a couple of friends, or maybe you only have one friend. But that one friend is your best friend. I don't know what your circumstances or what your circle looks like, but I do know this. Every single one of us can be a great friend. We see this in Scripture right here with Jonathan. Notice three things about Jonathan that we see in verses 16, 17, and 18 about him. Notice the first thing that we see about Jonathan's way. He was a steadfast friend. Every single one of us needs a steadfast friend, and we need to be a steadfast friend. Notice the circumstances here. You're noticing in verse number 16, I love this right here, and it's something that we can very simply take for granted sometimes. Saul, you begin to think about that, is chasing David, trying to kill David. You think, oh man. You know, Saul, he, he, he's the, the king, he, he's trying to do this and that. You think, oh, he's got all of his family and all of his friends behind him. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 16 about his son. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood. You see a steadfast friend. You see one who is going not only in a, an hour of need, but he's going in an hour where he is putting his own life in danger. A steadfast friend. You know what a steadfast friend looks like? A steadfast friend is that, that friend that you don't have to talk all the time, but when you need them, you can count on them. That steadfast friend is that one that, hey, you know that whenever you're needing some counsel, you're needing some advice, they're not going to tell you what you want to hear, they're going to tell you what you need to hear. That, that steadfast friend is that one that, that is going to be able to, to be with you in the midst of some of the hardest and most difficult seasons. I was on the phone with a preacher. <laughs> who's going through a lot right this very moment. I'm not going to share all the details. But they're facing some, from, some difficult times right this very moment. And he, he's been going through a difficult season for the last year and a half to two years of his life. And he called me just the other day, and we talked for about 45 minutes. And as we were talking, he, he said that in the midst of all this, he has not been able to see his best friend since everything had started with his, his difficult season the last two years. But there have been many times whenever he had called his best friend, his best friend talked to him. Sometimes sharing, hey, this is what you need to do. Sometimes just saying, hey, I'm here for you. But I was reminded of that as I was on the phone with that, that preacher. And I'm not necessarily extremely close with this preacher. But I was reminded of what a steadfast friend looks like. I began to think about that like, man, that's, we all need that. We all need that friend in certain times of difficulty. And I'll tell you right this very moment, David found that in Jonathan. Jonathan was steadfast. He was present. 
He was there. He was encouraging. He was genuine. He was just very simply, let's say it this way, he was just a friend. The second thing we see about Jonathan was not only was he a steadfast friend, but he was a comforting friend. Verse number 17, notice what the Bible says, and he said unto him, fear not. He goes on to say, For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul, my father, knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord. Now as you begin to think about this right here, you think about how steadfast he was, but comforting. Hey, hey, David, don't fear. David, do you, know, you don't have anything to worry about. David, I'm telling you right now, do not worry about anything. He says, the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel. David, you have nothing to fear about. I'm just going to be here. I'm going to be behind you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to help you. I just want to be a person of comfort during this time. Some of the greatest friends you'll ever find in life are those people that don't try sometimes to offer all of the advice and counsel. They just let you know, hey, I'm here, and God's going to take care of all of it. That's all they need to know. An individual of comfort. What else about Jonathan? Notice in verse number 17. The Bible says this at the very end. And I shall be next unto thee. Jonathan was a humble friend. As you begin to think about this, we're living in a society right this very moment where there are times whenever uh, you, you find, as we dealt with this past Sunday, jealousy amongst whether it's friends, uh, whether it's amongst the brethren, whether it's amongst co-workers, whatever the case might be, and you begin to think about those types of things, that you think about the sports world, and as we, re- we, we relayed this last Sunday, you begin to think about sometimes in that, that time of preparing for the season, and all the projections come out, and hey, this seems going to be this good, and this and that, and I was reading an article just the other day, and as they're preparing for the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts, who obviously graduated from Alabama, and so that's why I got the notification. I was reading the article about it, and Michael Vick and Donovan McNabb and some of those guys sat down with Jalen Hurts a couple of weeks ago or whenever it was, and they were talking to him, and he was laying out some things about the team and his leadership and how they approach things. And if you go, and if you're a sports fan at all, then you know this already, but two of the most selfish football players that ever played was Donovan McNabb and Michael Vick. And as they were talking to Jalen Hurts about this, they were talking about how they wish they could go back and do things the right way. You see, selfishness, sometimes if we're not careful, all of a sudden we begin to think much of ourselves. But notice how humble Jonathan is here. I mean, Saul's his dad. And he says this, Hey, not only do you not need to fear, but he says, For the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king of, over Israel. But he says, And I shall be next unto thee. Hey, David, you don't have anything to fear about. I'm setting my pride aside. I just want to let you know I'm going to be behind you 100%. One of the greatest encouragements in life sometimes is when you have a humble friend. As you begin to think about that humility, we all ought to be a humble friend and we all ought to surround ourselves by humble friends as well. Humility is a great encouragement in life. Some of the greatest people that you will find that the Lord is using mightily are people who say, I'm nothing, but my God is everything. They're just humble. Humble servants, some of the sweetest servants you'll ever find are people who you don't even know some of the things they're doing behind the scenes. They just say, hey, I just want to serve the Lord. Just humble. 
humble friend. As you find this in this passage of Scripture, you begin to think about who David was and what he was facing and his encouragers and his discouragements and all of those things. Now we see what David is facing. So now as we've given ourselves some insight into what he is facing, go with me to Psalm 54, if you would, tonight. We see a couple of things, and we won't be very long tonight. Most of our message tonight is found as we lay the groundwork and we lay the foundation, because now in Psalm 54, now you can read this with an understanding of what is David actually talking about. So look with me if you would. Notice with me the first thing we see in this passage of Scripture is we see the psalmist's prayer. In verses 1 and 2, you see that he says, Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. In this passage of Scripture, you begin to think about what David is facing and some of the circumstances, and he goes to the Lord immediately. He says, save me, O God. Let me ask you this question. I had to ask myself this question. In the midst of difficult times, in the midst of hardships or seasons of trials or whatever the case might be, where is the first place that you turn to? You see, we're living in a a world today, just a few minutes ago, during our time when we were highlighting the bulletin. We were talking about accessing the uh, the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the Twitters and the YouTubes and the, the social media world because it can be used for good. But can I share with you for just a few moments that one of the most dangerous things that we're finding in our society, Christians and even those who are unsaved, is some of the first places we turn to is social media. We turn to our friends. We turn to our family. We turn to Google. We turn to to all of these different areas. And we always seem to leave the one who has all the answers out of the equation. David here is facing some hardships. David here is facing some difficult times. In the very beginning of this psalm, he says, Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. The very first thing that David is acknowledging and helping us to realize is the very first place we ought to turn is to the Lord. Oftentimes, if we're not careful, we see a problem and all of a sudden we start to try to think, how can we fix this problem? And you'll find that there are times in our lives when the Lord begins to try to teach us a lesson and remind us, you can't fix that problem. How many weeks have you wasted trying to fix this? How many months have you wasted trying to fix this? How long have you gone on trying to do this and trying to do that and you weren't able to get anywhere because you never brought it to me? A lot of our time, if we're not careful, is taken to all of these other places and we leave out the Lord. Sometimes we give our our problems and we take it to hobbies. We think, oh, if I can just get my mind off of this and all of this will be okay. And we begin to realize rather quickly that we just need to take it to the Lord. You see, in this passage of Scripture right here, David is earnestly seeking the Lord. As he says, save me, O God, he is acknowledging this statement, I love these statements. He notices this and he's, he's taking it to the Holy One as he says, by thy name. You see, the name of Jesus is a powerful name. It's a life-changing name. Last night, as after basketball, there was a devotion that was given and they were talking uh, about sins and certain things that you're seeing more prevalent in our world and how do you approach those people who are living in sin and and certain things like that that are going on and we acknowledge and many of the men were going around talking about you just welcome them with oakum arms and while that is true one of the things that we find that is a danger is if we're not careful we welcome uh, those who are sinning and living in sin with well open arms but we're never willing to acknowledge their sin and let them know that hey with truth and love that i want to speak to 
the Lord is not pleased with that. The Lord loves the sinner, but He does not love the sin. And we have to be careful. We have to make sure that while we are welcoming people that are living in sin and that are living a life of sin, saying, hey, God loves you and I love you. Now let's address some of these things. And if you want to get your life back on track. You see, David here acknowledges the name. He says, by thy name and judge me by thy strength. He knew that the Lord was the most powerful one. It didn't matter what trial he was entering into. It didn't matter what difficulty he was facing. He understood that, hey, I need to take this to the Lord. We're finding in many of our lives, if we're not careful, we're not turning to the Lord and we're turning to all of these many things and we're trying to find answers for all of these many things and we're not finding them. As you think about David here, you think about the trial he was in, the difficulty he was in, And some of us, if we're not careful, the only time that we will turn to the Lord is in the midst of the trial. David knew that God was reliable even when he was on the mountaintop. And David knew that God was reliable at all time within his life. Notice with me, number two, what he goes on to say. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. Selah. You know, we find, number two, the psalmist strangers here. The word strangers speaks of those who were not David's friends, if you would. Because of their betrayal, they were spoken of as strangers and not brethren. They were characterized as godless, not godly. They were characterized at the very end of verse number three, as he says, they have not set God before them. See, that they were characterized as people that did not have a desire nor the attitude to worship God. They could care less. And so David is acknowledging these individuals that have just now, in Psalm 54, as we see the inside in 1 Samuel chapter number 23, they have betrayed David. They have tried to do all of these things to turn him in and to turn him to Saul. And so they were characterized as strangers. But David doesn't park right there. David doesn't just harp on the problems. David doesn't just harp on the situation he's encountered. He then takes it and he begins to elaborate on some of the most encouraging things that he is finding in the midst of that. Notice with me, number three, the psalmist's help. Verse number four, the Bible says, Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. Notice with me a couple of things about David here. We see some keys, what I would say, to the Christian life. Some things that if we're not careful, we neglect to do these things and we we really miss the opportunity of what the Lord is trying to do in our lives. You see, because every single one of us, you don't get to choose when your trials hit. You You don't get to decide how long they stay and you don't get to decide when they leave. Trials hit whenever trials hit and the Lord is present in the midst of it. He's going to bring you through it, but you don't get to decide what type of trial you go through. You don't get to decide the the difficulties and all of those many things that you're going to experience. And so notice with me the psalmist's help here. Notice some things that are key to the Christian life. In verse number 4, he acknowledged the source of his help. Verse number 4, the Bible says, Behold, God is mine helper. He is acknowledging the source of his help. You say, well, where's the Bible also teach about the source of our help being God? Psalm 46, 1, the Bible says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. 
Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Speaking of help. Psalm 121, verse 2, My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. We go on and on tonight. But I believe Psalm 121, verse 2, kind of puts it plain and simple. As it makes the statement, My help cometh from the Lord. I love... Uh, being able to help my children. Just the other day, uh, they were outside playing, and Jackson is in a, a, a phase where he's wanting to build things, and he's wanting to build a tree house, and he's wanting to do all these things. So anytime we let him outside to go play, he goes directly to the backyard, back left corner, there's a small little tree. I have some pallets of, uh, of wood that are just laying in the backyard, and he'll take those, he'll drag them across the yard, and he, 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 every single time he goes outside, he asks me, Hey, Dad, where's my nails? I say, I don't trust you with nails. So I have to come outside, and I've got to stand there. I've got to help him, whatever the case might be. And so he's trying to do all these things, but I enjoy whenever he says, Hey, Dad, can you help me with these things? That's not always convenient. It's not always a possibility. But I love that my son still needs his dad. He's only six years old. He has a lot of years where he's going to need. But can I encourage you, sometimes if we're not careful, we live in this mindset and this mentality that the Lord doesn't take pleasure in helping us. Can I encourage you, He takes much joy in helping us. It brings a smile to His face when a child of God says, Lord, I need you. Think with me for just a few moments. Many of you, your parents are still living. Some of you, those of you that do no longer have your parents here, if you could give some insight and you could give some advice to those who still have kids and on earth that are calling them, I guarantee that many of you would say, hey, when your child calls you and says you, they need you, help them. I believe you would. Because you would, you would give anything to be able to call your mom and your dad and say, hey, Ma, I just want to let you know I need you. Dad, I just want to let you know I need you. What would you say? Give, give some advice and this and that. And I believe our Heavenly Father takes much joy whenever His children say, Lord, I need you here. Notice at the beginning of Psalm 54, He says, Save me, O God. Now notice the end of Psalm 54. The Bible says, I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good, for he hath delivered me. David here is acknowledging in Psalm 54 that he cried out to God, and God heard his cry and answered his cry. So we see in this portion of Scripture, he acknowledges the source. Not only do we see that he acknowledges the source, but he acknowledges in verse number 4, the Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He is acknowledging his support as well. Now, one of the things that we must be careful of is that we do not get into a habit of praising man all the time. Can I share with you, God is going to put certain people in your life that are going to be a help to you. And those opportunities, remember who put them in your life. It was God. God is going to be the one who directs people. Sometimes you'll be sitting there on the couch, you're so discouraged. You'll get a text message, hey, praying for you. Can I share with you, it wasn't just that person. No, the Holy Spirit dealt with that person and said, hey, text this person. It's an opportunity to praise the Lord in those times. In Psalm 54... He says, the Lord is with them that uphold my soul, I believe. As you begin to think about the relationship that David and Saul, uh, uh, Jonathan had, he is making mention of these things because it was a help to him. But now we see not only acknowledge the support, 
but he also acknowledged the seriousness. In verse number 5, he says, He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. Can I encourage you, don't park in the discouraging times of your life because God will take care of all of that. The word reward here speaks of to punish if you would. He shall reward evil. You know, you don't use that word oftentimes in that way, do you? If Jackson and Holly were to disobey tonight, I'm not going to go up to them and say, Hey, I'm going to reward you with a whooping when we get home. That don't sound right, does it? It doesn't make sense. What do you mean? Reward is often a good thing, but in its context here, reward is speaking of punishment that is coming. As he says right here, he will reward evil unto mine enemies. Now, as he uses the statement, cut them off, he is speaking of something that is so severe. As he goes on and says, in thy truth, he is also saying that this is going to be something that is just. It reminds us right this very moment that God does not do anything that is not just. He is a holy God. He is a righteous God. Everything that He does is a just action. And so He says He shall reward them. Hey, they're going to be cut off. They're not only going to be cut off, but they're going to be dealt with severely in a just manner. Just the other night, I believe it was Sunday night, uh, we got home and Jackson had gotten in trouble a couple of times throughout the day. And so we went to the room and I had told him earlier in the day that when we got home he was going to be disciplined and we sat there and as after I had disciplined him with tears in his eyes I said you do realize I do not like disciplining you as a matter of fact I can't stand to do that but when you disobey that is what happens and there are times in our own lives I truly believe this where the Lord is is trying to help us understand you do realize I do not like disciplining When you disobey, the consequences to our sins are not pleasant. The consequences of those who are not saved, those who are not the child of God, sometimes if we're not careful, we focus so much on the the things that they get and the things that they have and all these many things. And David right here is acknowledging in verse number 5, hey, God's going to take care of all this. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. He shall cut them off in thy truth. So we see the fifth Fourth thing tonight, the psalmist prays. In verse number 6, he says, I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. As you go and you look and you'll find in 1 Samuel chapter number 23, Saul is going to be brought the news, hey, go check here. And you'll find at the very end of Psalm 23, or 1 Samuel 23, that Saul is going to have to turn around and attend to some things that are rather important that he needs to attend to. And it's another reminder that we saw already when we were over in 1 Samuel 18 this past Sunday that God was with David. Can I encourage you tonight? Some of you have encountered some difficult circumstances. You're going through some trials. You're going through some difficult times. Can I encourage you, one of the most encouraging things that you find right in the midst of Psalm 54 is verse number 4, when the Bible says this, Behold, God is my helper. Can I encourage you tonight? The Lord is right there. He's your helper. He desires to bring you through. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what season of life you're battling. I don't know what trial you've just encountered. But I do know this. There's a God in heaven that is your helper. He desires to bring you through it. Can I encourage you? Bring it to Him. 
Allow Him to bring you through it. Don't try to do that thing on your own. Don't try to bring yourself through that trial. You were never meant to, and the Lord doesn't desire you. As a matter of fact, He desires that you would turn to Him. I believe every single one of us that have children, when your children get into difficult times, you're waiting and you're hoping, I hope they come to me. Our Heavenly Father tonight is hoping that we would come to Him. Could I encourage you to bring it to Him? Well, we do thank You. Well, we thank You for who You are. Lord, far too often we try to take matters into our own hands. And Lord, I pray that you would bring us to this altar. Lord, in Scripture we see the importance of the altar. Lord, it's a, a time of seriousness. It's a time of getting things dealt with. It's a time, Lord, where we, we take matters out of our hands and we put them in your hands. Lord, the Bible deals with the altar in a very serious manner. And far too often, Lord, we... We try to go through our lives, and we've got trials, we've got problems, we've got difficulties, and Lord, we just try to move through them. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here tonight that's going through something, Lord, they've been reminded tonight that God is mine helper. Lord, that they'd bring it to you. They'd spend time in prayer and allow you to bring them through it. And we'll thank you for it. Be with this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.